There is little Israel among the nations of the earth. This nation that was created out of the hand of the God of heaven by wonders and miracles and signs. And yet it's surrounded by the other nations around it. Nations which are much larger and much more populous than it. Come, they say, let us cut her off from being a nation. Why is this nation despised? And why do the kingdoms of the earth arise and march to let its name be remembered no more? Why is this nation on which God has placed its seal an anathema to those nations that are around it? A song, a psalm by Asaph. God, don't keep silent and don't be still, God, for behold, your enemies are stirred up. Those who hate you have lifted up their heads. They conspire with cunning against your people. They plot against your cherished ones. Come, they say, and let's destroy them as a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. For they have conspired together with one mind and form an alliance against you. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gebel, Ammon, and Amalek, Philistia with the inhabitants of Tyre, Assyria also has joined with them. They have helped the children of Lot. Do to them as you did to Midian, as to Sisera, as to Jabin at the river Kishon, who perished at Endor, who became as dung for the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, yes, all their princes like Zeba and Zelmunna, who said, let us take possession of God's pasture lands. My God, make them like tumbleweed, like chaff before the wind, as the fire that burns the forest, as the flame that sets the mountains on fire. So pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your storm. Fill their faces with confusion that they may seek your name, Yahweh, and let them be disappointed and dismayed forever. Yes, let them be confounded and perish that they may know that you alone, whose name is Yahweh, are the Most High over all the earth. Psalm 83. A prophecy, a proclamation on which the prophets of David's day saw that the nations around them hated Israel because of who founded them. Not because of war and not because of political agreements, but because of the spirit, the spirit that lays behind, the devil who hates God and God who has come to overcome. And even today, there is little Israel surrounded by nations that desire to rise and cut her off from being a nation. Surely these are different governments today than it was in David's day and Asaph's day. But the spirit is exactly the same. The spirit that rises and resists and pushes against the work, the saving power of God. The same spirit that saved Israel through the Red Sea 
but then turned the waters of the Red Sea back on the enemies of Israel in their own sight. And yet back in the days of David, Asaph prophesies the song, the psalm, that the nations, these nations, will once again rise and they will come against Israel. And so God, do not be silent. God, do not rest. God, look and see and deliver that your name alone, whose name is Yahweh, will be known and will be glorified among the nations. When the enemies of Israel, like the Egyptians in the Red Sea, are destroyed from before them in their sight of this coalition of nations that comes against them. But he specifically names them. It's not a broad stroke. It's not a generalization. He prophesies which nations will come against Israel in that day, saying, come, let us destroy them, Israel, as a nation, that the name of Israel will be remembered no more. Who forms an alliance against them? The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gebel, Ammon, and Amalek, Philistia with the inhabitants of Tyre. Assyria also has joined with them. They have helped the children of Lot. And in Asaph's day, these are the nations who descended from each individual listed in the scriptures where is what they get their name. For instance, Moab was a son of Abraham's nephew named Lot through incest with his daughter. And so Moab was a human, but the descendants of Moab is the nation around the region that is today Syria and Jordan. Ammon is the same, who originally was the brother of Moab. But what is it? that God will do to defend his people? What is it that God will do to arise and make his name known? What is the deliverance that God will choose to deliver his people when this assembly of nations comes against Israel? Psalm 83 verse 9, Do to them, the psalmist prays to Yahweh, as you did to Midian, as to Sisera, as to Jabin, at the river Kishon. This is referring to the Midian of Gideon's day, who was destroyed by the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Sisera, who was defeated by Barak. Sisera was the army general of King Jabin, who were defeated at the river Kishon, back in Judges chapter 4 and Judges chapter 5, who perished at Endor, and they became dung for the earth. Now, just as Asaph prophesies specifically the nations, the group of people of the descendants of their ancestor who will come against Israel in that day, the prayer of the prophet is that they will be defeated as Midian was defeated from the face of Gideon and as Sisera and Jabin were defeated from the face of Israel under Barak and Deborah. Psalm 83, verse 11, Make their nobles, O God, like Oreb and Zeb, who were princes of Midian, who came against God's anointed ones under Gideon in Judges chapter 7. He goes on and says, Yes, God, make all their princes like Zeba and Zalmunna, who were army generals of the rival nations fighting against Gideon, 
whom Gideon tracked down and killed in Judges chapter 8. The psalmist continued to pray, My God, make them like the tumbleweed, like the chaff before the wind. In other words, those who come against your anointed whom you have established, make them vanish and be as nothing. As they thought to make our name remembered no more, so shall their name be remembered no more. Verse 14, as the fire that burns the forest, as the flame that sets the mountains on fire, so pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your storm. Why? That they may seek your name, Yahweh, that they may know that you alone, whose name is Yahweh, are the Most High over all the earth. And so God has declared through the prophetic mouth of Asaph that he will glorify his name among the nations. Why is he doing this? Why is he destroying the enemies of Israel before them? So that his name will be made known, not only to the children of Israel, but also to the nations who are around them. Because the only way that they survived, the only way that Israel survived this attack is because of the supernatural hand of their God. In reference to this kind of thing, Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 22 reads as follows, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am Yahweh. And so God cares about his holy namesake, not only to his people, but also to the nations and the people who don't fear him and don't serve him. Why? So that they will serve him and so that they will fear him. And in Ezekiel, God's referring to how God delivered them to the nations because Israel rejected him as their God and their Savior. And so they were delivered to the nations to be captives among them. But God will glorify his name and his name will not be profaned because of it, because of the scattering of his people Israel, but it will actually be honored, not only in the midst of Israel when they're brought back to their land prophetically, But when the nations see that their God has brought them back to their land. Ezekiel goes on. When I am hallowed before there, that is the Gentiles' eyes. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Which for 2,000 years Israel did not exist as a nation. And about 2,000 years later, all of the sudden, there it was again. And so God will be glorified when these enemies of Israel, this prophetic battle, this coalition that comes against Israel to destroy it from among the earth and that its memory would not be known anymore among the nations of the earth. When this happens, God will glorify his name in the midst of all people when God steps in to defend his people and scatter them before them. But the prophetic nature does not end here. 
these nations will be destroyed as Oreb and Zeb were destroyed before Gideon, and as Zeba and Zalmunna were killed at the hands of Gideon. These nations that come against Israel, it will be as when Jabin sent Sisera against Israel and were defeated at Mount Tabor by the prophetic utterance and by the prophetic hand of Deborah. More context to this. It's not just the psalmist. It's not Asaph that says it. This is a prophetic word from the eternal spirit of God. For instance, jump ahead to Isaiah, who's a few hundred years ahead of the time of David. This is Isaiah 10 and verse 24. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, O my people who dwell in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrian. Again, this is a prophetic future battle when the Assyrian comes against them because the Assyrian will, and the Assyrian is specifically referring to someone in this passage. He will strike you with the rod and lift up his staff against you. Speaking to Israel, in other words, Israel will be struck with the rod of the hand of the Assyrian, and he will lift up his staff against him in the manner of Egypt for yet a very little while, and the indignation will see. He's talking about this end date, this culminating resistance, this battle, this time of Jacob's trouble, what's often perhaps called today is the tribulation or the Revelation 16 battles or the battle of Armageddon or what have you. But Isaiah's prophesying of this time, for yet a little while, then the indignation will cease, as will my anger in their destruction. In other words, when the enemies of Israel are destroyed, then the hot, burning wrath of God will be quenched, but not until the enemies of Israel are laid to dust before his feet. Verse 26 of Isaiah 10. And the Lord of hosts will stir up a scourge for him. And here it is, like the slaughter of Midian at the rock of Oreb. Again, that's referring to Gideon's slaughter of the Midianite prince Oreb when he was pursuing them in Judges chapter 7. Exactly the same prophetic reference that was given by Asaph in Psalm 83 referring to this last major battle that comes against them or this last major coalition that comes against them. They'll be destroyed prophetically as... Oreb was destroyed before Gideon in the time of the judges. Isaiah goes on. As his rod was on the sea, so will he lift up in the manner of Egypt. Again, referring to the parting of the Red Sea. But not only did the sea dry up before the children of Israel, remember, the sea destroyed the enemies of Israel before them. And Isaiah is prophesying in that day it will be as when God lifted his rod through Moses and the sea was parted. And then that same sea that gave passage to Israel was the sword that destroyed the armies that came against them. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. And so beyond the simple prophetic utterance of Isaiah and Asaph, and of course it's many other places in the Bible as well, of this last time tribulation against Israel, 
They prophesy that God will raise up mightily in Israel and save the nation, even though the nation will be invaded and destroyed. The nation of Israel will be invaded and laid desolate, but it won't be completely destroyed because God will come and he will fight against them, the enemies of Israel, in that day. But beyond just that prophetic utterance, underneath of it is a reference to how these nations are going to be defeated before the face of Israel by the hand of God. And how is that going to be? It's going to be as when Gideon ran the Midianites and the Amalekites out of the land of Israel. And what were the Midianites and Amalekites doing in the land of Israel? They were raiding, pillaging, destroying, stealing the food, and constantly harassing Israel for years until finally God couldn't take it anymore and comes as the angel of the Lord and appears to Gideon and calls him a mighty man of valor and sends him forth to destroy these marauders who are oppressing his people. So what happens in the story of Gideon? Gideon was of, as he described, the least of the clans of Israel, being from the clan of Manasseh. Manasseh was one of Joseph's sons, but whom Jacob gave preeminence to the secondborn, which was Ephraim, over Manasseh. Well, Gideon comes from this lowly tribe of Israel, and he says that he was the lowest of the tribes, and he says that he was the lowest of his house, which comes from one of the lowest tribes. And yet the angel of the Lord appears to him and calls him a mighty man of valor and equips him to go and conquer the Midianites, which have come against the land of Israel to rob and steal from it. And so the land of Israel is impoverished because of the Midianite raiding, but this of the lowliest of men are chosen by God to go and deliver it from the hand of Israel. And to give context to this whole podcast, read Judges 6, 7, and 8. In Micah chapter 5, Micah prophesies, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, being small among the clans of Judah, out of you one will come forth to me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Therefore he will abandon them until the time that she who is in labor gives birth. Then the rest of his brothers will return to the children of Israel. He shall stand and shall shepherd in the strength of Yahweh, in the majesty of the name of Yahweh his God. Micah continues to prophesy, He will be our peace when Assyria invades our land and when he marches through our fortresses. Then we will raise against him, that is the destroyer, the one that is coming in, which is a prophetic declaration of what we might call now the Antichrist and his armies. When this Assyrian comes in, we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princely men. They will rule the land of Assyria with a sword and the land of Nimrod in its gates. He will deliver us from the Assyrian when he invades our land and when he marches within our border. So in this end-time battle, this army of the Antichrist is going to come and destroy the land of Israel, but it won't be completely destroyed. Right when it looks like everything is desolate, there's going to be risen up a group of men anointed by God like Gideon was to drive out the invader, to drive out 
these armies of the enemies of Israel and they will be successful. Not only will they be successful in driving them out of the land of Israel, but Micah prophesies in chapter 5 that they will come and they will even rule the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod at its gates. Nimrod was the beginning of sin, of Babylon. Think mystical Babylon from Jeremiah 15, 51 or Revelation 17 and 18. This is the beginning, which is a picture, a foreshadow of this seed of the serpent or the Antichrist who is coming. But these men, these anointed ones like Gideon, will go and they will lay waste the land of this Antichrist and God will reign forevermore after he delivers it into the hands of Israel through these anointed ones. Zechariah 14.1 Behold, a day of Yahweh comes when your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. What? Does this sound like Psalm 8? Which points directly to Gideon like Isaiah 10 did, which I read just a little bit ago. He goes on, And the city will be taken... So this Jerusalem is taken by these end-time armies, the houses rifled and the women ravished. Half the city will go out into captivity, and the rest of the people will be cut off from the city. Then Yahweh will go out and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. So again, we have the same picture, the same imagery that Micah was describing. This Antichrist army, again, as we would probably call it today, comes in and actually does ravish the land of Israel and destroy things, but Israel is not completely destroyed, because when their strength is at its lowest, all of the sudden God comes and anoints these saviors, or these anointed ones, rises them up and pushes back this army, and God ends up coming and ruling in Jerusalem in the end. Again, both Asaph and Isaiah point to this overthrow of this Antichrist army is going to be as what? The overthrow of Oreb and Zeb and of Zeba and Zelmunna, whom Gideon overthrew from the land. Back in Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8, the land of Israel is being destroyed and plundered by the Midianites, just like this end-time army is going to come and destroy and plunder the land of Israel. And Gideon, this nobody, who's just all of the sudden appointed by God and given an anointing from heaven to go and push back these armies, all of a sudden rises out of nowhere as the seven shepherds and eight princely men. And he goes and he blows the trumpet and many in Israel gather together to him and he goes out and through signs and wonders is able to destroy this army of Midianites and Amalekites that have gathered against Israel. But it doesn't stop there. Gideon doesn't simply drive them out of Israel. Gideon pursues the fleeing enemies across to the other side of the Jordan, and that's where he actually captures Zeba and Zalmona, and they get executed before him. Exactly like is prophesied, that in this last day, right before Jesus comes and reigns in Jerusalem, God is going to raise up anointed ones to drive out from the land this army, which is pictured in detail in Daniel chapter 11, from the land, and God's army will end up pursuing them to their land and plunder that land. And Israel will be victorious and will prosper because of him who comes and stands up against the armies of Israel, which would be God.
Again, these are just a few glimpses of the prophetic nature of the scriptures, which describe in detail even the stories of the Old Testament that describe in detail that which God has already done and will do in the last days. But the spirit that defeats the Antichrist in that day is the same spirit, which is the spirit of the Lord, that wrote the text in the scriptures. And so if we understand what we're reading, and if we stand and believe on that same spirit, it's that same spirit of victory that's already won the end-time battle, which is yet in the future, which stands and fights for us now in this time on this earth as we run our race with endurance, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And as we stand in the midst of darkness today, if we stand by faith in that same spirit which wrote these words and which gave Israel, God's anointed ones, the victory, the same spirit and the same power fights for us today, which is the spirit which was in Christ and has been poured out on us when he ascended into heaven in that day. For more mysteries of the spirit and of the word, don't miss the next episodes here on the Dance of Mayanaean. And check out the channel on YouTube called Mayanaean.